Hello there, and thank you for joining me here in the chicken coop. This is Deborah Carty, and it is a cloudy day today here on my little bit of Mount Hood. Many years ago, several of you, I'm sure listening, uh, were joining me as I was sitting at the kitchen table. podcast and I decided to bring it back uh, for this new version of the Chicken Coop Botanicals podcast. I did begin this podcast again a couple years ago and uh, I suddenly became quite sick and it took a while to uh, get my energy back and ducks in a row and here we are a couple years later and I am beginning again. I really felt when I started the one for Chicken Coop Botanicals that it should be quite different than my At the Kitchen Table podcast of many years ago. But me spending time in the week editing and trying to create a perfect podcast without that kind of thing happening or ums or all the little tiny things, it just isn't in me. 
So we're going back to the formula of at the kitchen table where I really feel like I'm sitting here at the table with you and we're having a cup of tea and just chatting about what's going on here at my mountain home. Chicken Coop Botanicals is an apothecary. You can find me online at chickencoopbotanicals.com. I am that same name on um, Instagram, and you can find that same page on Facebook. But I am Debbie Accardi. <laughs> that is my name, and I am the only, uh, both the proprietor of Chicken Coop Botanicals, but also the uh, maker, chief bottle washer, and only employee. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring kind of my full life back into um, what this business, what um, I'm all about. And that was what I loved about At the Kitchen Table. I had begun that podcast uh, when I was first moving up to this mountain and it was so beautiful and it was such a wonderful thing to be able to leave the city and live at the mountain. Listeners there followed me through my adventures in building gardens, in owning goats <laughs> and angora rabbits, uh, chickens, ducks, and geese, plus the two years that I owned a yarn company along with my partner, Stephanie Pico. We were known as Pico Accardi Dye Works. We unfortunately uh, began just before the devastating last recession, and so we crashed and burned quite quickly. <laughs> but I still have such a love of all things plants. I spent many years, three decades, in the restaurant business, still own a restaurant in Portland, Oregon called Gino's Restaurant and Bar, and Gino's now they're running it. So my husband Mark and I can be up here on our mountaintop. Because we can't quite stop all things food and restaurant, we're buying our favorite little dive bar up on the mountain and take possession uh, on July 1st, which is just a couple weeks away. We have some wonderful partners in that endeavor. Darren Weiss and Susan Clare, and it's the guys that are going to be more in the running of the place, although I definitely am looking forward to giving some input on getting some healthier foods into a dive bar menu. <laughs> um, my main thing that I'm doing now is really focused on the herbal part of plants. I have my entire adult life worked in some manner of plant love, plant to imbibe, plant to wear. Um, by that meaning cooking, growing herbs in the garden, uh, using plants to get color for dyeing cloth, yarn, fiber for spinning. I just have such a connection to the plant world. And I hope to bring you some of that and both knowledge, but just kind of sharing my love of it um, during these podcast episodes. First, I have to say that my setting here needs a description. If you've seen, uh, if you do follow me on Instagram, uh, you will find me there both as two accounts. One is Debacardi, D-E-B-A-C-C-U-A-R-D-I. And then I do have a Chicken Coop Botanicals site as well. 
and or account as well. Um, I post equally on those. I like to focus things that are plant uh, related uh, that have to do with the company on that chicken coop botanicals. But um, I realize that sometimes it's just a slight shift when you see it on the personal thing too. But recently I posted a photo of my desk and it was a disaster. I've been using it for a stacking zone for several years and I have finally cleared it off and have a lovely writing area and today it's a recording area. I'm looking out the window at maple, cedar, flowering cherry and it's just a green wonderland up here. It's just so lovely at this time of year I can't even tell you. Every season here is has its own special um, feel to it, but right now um, it's been warm. You can see new growth everywhere, and now today we've had a little bit of rain, and it's perfect because everything's brightened back up, and uh, it's just a green canopy. What can I say? <laughs> it makes it so that sitting here at a desk uh, when I am working is just really enjoyable because I never feel like I'm away from nature all that much. I have nettle tea in my cup. Uh, I drink nettles year round. I have actually cured my allergies from continually having nettles either as tea or in soup or somehow imbibing them. And recently we took a huge, wonderful trip to Southeast Asia, and I didn't even think about taking nettles with me because I knew I wouldn't need them there. But that meant that I went almost three months with no nettles at all in my system and came back to spring and lots of pollen. So this spring has been a throwback <laughs> to what my life was about for so many, many years. And I'm realizing I don't miss it. <laughs> so nettles have once again become a big part of my life and uh, more than happy to drink a nourishing cup of nettle tea. Nettles are one of those wonder plants to me. There's so many micronutrients available in nettles, uh, uh, minerals and vitamins, um, cell building, opening up the airways from your lungs so that you really can get a deeper breath. And um, that's where I tend to have my allergy problems. Um, I'm one of those people that if I get three things I'm allergic to at once and they're all in the hay fever realm, I immediately have asthma. And nettles has helped me not to have any of those kind of breathing problems for quite a long time. So I'm a huge believer. As well, I use nettles uh, infused into um, olive oil and argan oil and with a little rosemary and horsetail for a wonderful hair oil. As I've gotten older, my hair's gotten a little drier, but also when I had my menopause years, I began to have, anytime I'd have stress, my hair would start to fall out. And, you know, I'd be in the shower washing and here's five or six strands of hair and then 10 strands of hair. By using this oil just a little every day, the uh, nettles in there are promoting hair strength and growth, along with silica from the horsetail, promoting lots of strength. 
And then rosemary is another one because it's so good at promoting circulation. It helps with that hair growth. So the three together are quite the trio. So I just thought I'd share that. <laughs> I do have that available on the website. <laughs> um, boy, I actually made notes today. This was something back in the day of at the kitchen table that I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to put that on the show notes page, but it would take me forever and having to go back and listen for what was I going to put on the show notes page. And if you were with me in those days, you know, I did not like listening to myself. <laughs> so I'm just going to try to go with the flow of this. Um, in addition to uh, the chicken coop botanicals, website you can always find me on mount hood at our farmer's market we're in our second year and it's so wonderful last year i did two different farmer's markets one in sandy oregon which is just down the hill from us and up here in welch's oregon where i live i realized without even knowing it that this was something that had always been this fantasy to have a booth at a farmer's market and be selling my wares. I, so I guess I, I uh, checked something off a bucket list I didn't even know I had. <laughs> it was fun. And I'm really enjoying this year already, getting to connect with people. Um, I've always done this work at a distance, except for the few people I work one-on-one -on -one with. And so to have this community coming out of the woods, um, not to be in a restaurant, not running into them at our grocery store, not running into a, you know, in a bar. It's a whole nother way to connect with people. And it just has been great for all of us up here. So if you're ever on the mountain, we are open from one to four on Sundays from June, the beginning of June through the end of September. And last year, at the end of that farmer's market season, I started thinking about the fact that because of our weather, we do have a fairly short market season. And how wonderful would it be to have something year round where people could get really good quality, both healthy food as well as supporting their local farmers. And this idea started running around in my brain. And within a few months, I had researched what it would take to start a food co-op grocery store here on Mount Hood. And I've started the process and we have a core group and we're just about at the point to start uh, a big community, uh, having community meetings to really start the fundraising process. We're still looking for uh, the right property for that, but I have my eye on something that I'm hopeful will come through. Um, I be believe that we need to have not just healthy food, but food that is priced for the community. And our community up here, uh, a lot of people have moved up here in the last few years because they couldn't afford to live in Portland any longer because the prices of housing have gone up so high. Um, there is one grocery store up here and the prices are pretty crazy for the healthier items. And the healthier items are very, very few items in that store. So creating a co-op is going to allow us to um, 
have the foods that the members want in the store, have healthy foods, have prepared healthy foods, uh, create an education room for anyone that wants to treat, uh, teach uh, either food or health-oriented classes, uh, have a meeting place, a neutral meeting place for people in the community to come and gather. I am so, so excited. Uh, and as with a food co-op, it is a for-profit corporation, but all of the profit goes back into the company. And in our case, we're going to be working at, after uh, we are open, putting those profits back into lowering the cost of the food so that everyone, no matter their means, can afford to shop at our grocery store up here. And this podcast, um, in addition to sharing life on the mountain, I also really am excited to share the process of uh, building a food co-op. And maybe this will be an inspiration for your community if you don't already have one. And uh, if you do, maybe this will just be getting to know what a food co-op is and you'll seek one out within your community. So, um what we're eating right now. Well, in the garden, uh, we, since we're up a little higher in the mountains, uh, we certainly don't have tomatoes ready yet. <laughs> I have two tiny green tomatoes on one of 12 plants, and it's probably going to be August before I'm eating tomatoes from my garden. But I was so excited that one of our farmers at the market Sunday had the first couple of beautiful ripe tomatoes from their hoop house. And um, this one was called, I believe, Paul Robeson. I'm going to have to find out from him. It's a new one for them, and I've never even heard of it. And believe me, I know many an heirloom tomato. <laughs> but they are were so juicy. Bean a hoop house tomato, they don't have that direct sun just beating down on them. So they were a little bit on the mushy side, uh, texture wise, and I think also just beginning of the season. But the flavor was incredible. Beautiful, dark red, um, almost towards a brownish red. And uh, nice, like a small beefsteak size, just terrific. So we had those last night and it made me realize that summer is upon us. And uh, in our garden, other than that, we've got our lettuces and tons of herbs. I never met a culinary herb I didn't love. So we have um, marjoram and a golden oregano. And marjoram and oregano are similar in flavor. So I don't grow a different oregano. Um, and marjoram loves it so much here, it's even in the grass which is so wonderful. <laughs> I have about four or five different sages, my garden sage and purple and golden sage. I um, have clary sage, which is not edible, but so fragrant and it's very calming. So I use that one medicinally. Um, I have a pineapple sage and new this year, a tangerine sage. Both of those I love to put in water um, for just that wonderful flavor. So all of a sudden, you know, it's great in bubbly water as well. So you have this wonderful herbal soda. And I'm going to be making some kombucha later today. And I, now that I'm thinking about it, I might put some of those in that kombucha. Um, 
I do grow uh, both white sage and black sage, but we certainly are not the Southern California or Arizona desert. So you don't see big hedges of sage, white or black sage here. I buy them as plants from uh, the Crimson Sage Nursery and I just love them so much. They're so beautiful and spiritual and I don't want to um, be purchasing white sage wands for smudging uh, because the, there are a lot of people that are, well, for one thing, it's being over harvested in the wild. And in recent years, it's also being harvested on Native American land without permission. And so I want to use it so I grow it. And I'm beginning to do that with a lot of herbs that are becoming over harvested in the wild. Um, I don't feel that I, um, I also the, I guess I would say that the plants are, have a slightly different energy because they are growing in my mountain soil where they might be used to, uh, desert soil. They love it here during the summer. It gets good and hot and they do very well, but I think it's a softer energy I receive from them. And so this is a different idea of bioregional herbalism where you're having medicine of a place. So this is a medicine that is of two places, but with one heart. And I just love that kind of medicine. And as I harvest and make some of those uh, different things, we'll talk about it here on the podcast. Um, so also um, in the garden and all of these things getting onto the plate, um, lots of greens, uh, turnip greens went wild in my garden a few years ago, and I thought I was going to eradicate it. And then I realized how much I love that anytime I need a quick uh, saute green. Sometimes I'll use chard, but that has a particular flavor and I don't like it with everything. I love chard with fish, but for some reason I don't love it with other meats. So the turnip greens cook up just as quick as chard and have more of a grassy green, almost spinach flavor. And I just love them with everything and especially in a soup. So if I'm making a quick vegetable soup for lunch, I get a mess of those turnip greens, chop them up and throw them in and they cook almost immediately. And happily, my pet rabbit, Ava Bun Bun, <laughs> does not love turnip greens because she has found some way to get into the big garden and has been eating my kales and my broccolis and the other kales and the next batch of broccoli and two uh, different batches of peas, one that I put in after the other that she had destroyed. Uh, At this point, she isn't going for the little bean plants that are starting to appear, but I'm going to have to come up with some uh, caging. (laughs) There's going to, instead of being lovely walkways in my garden, it's going to be the minefield of wire protecting (laughs) plants from the rabbit. I just can't find where she's getting in and Uh, this little bunny moved over from a neighbor and since I don't have my Angora rabbits anymore, I was pretty happy to have this little brown bunny hopping around and when they moved, she decided to stay with us and it's been wonderful. She wakes up in the morning and, uh, comes hopping over when we feed the, open up the chicken coop and feed the chickens their morning scratch and she'll eat the corn with them. And then throughout the day, we'll hop in the barn and eat their um, 
the food that they have. And it's just been charming during, you know, the when we don't have snow on the ground. She's out there eating grass and everything's lovely. Until now. <laughs> but I don't want to get rid of her. So um, I will have to find some barriers. The other thing she has fallen in love with is echinacea which is wonderful for boosting your immune system, especially after you've been sick. So I've been surprised that she's been eating the leaves right now, but um, it could be just kind of eating, maybe helping her from eating chicken food. I wouldn't be surprised. I would feel better if she was eating my Echinacea purpurea, which is the purple conehead flower that most people are familiar with when they think of Echinacea. She's eating my Echinacea augustifolia, which is very hard to uh, start from seed. And I've been so proud of myself. I have, they're very little plants, but they're growing. I think I have six. I actually have five and a stick. <laughs> So again, those are ones that I'm going to definitely have to protect from little Miss Ava. <laughs> it's a jungle out there and I'm <laughs> trying to fight the wild animals. Um, I do want to talk about um, looking at those notes. This is why I made them because I get to talking and all the things I want to tell you because it's just been so darn long since we've chatted. Um, creating habits. I do want to have uh, one segment on uh, this podcast, and I do plan on this being a weekly podcast as much as my schedule will allow. And I want to have a segment where there's just something that's uh, maybe a little educational, although I realize I've already talked about a lot of educational things. But this one specifically is creating habits. And I'm coming, I wanted to talk to you about it just because it's something that's come back for me. Um, things that I had stopped doing and I'm realizing that I'm having to start back at the beginning to create habits to bring these back into my life on a regular basis. Uh, one of those things is yoga. Uh, I finally got myself back into yoga. As I had said, um, I was very sick a couple years ago. I had um, uterine cancer and uh, they were able to get the tumor out through surgery, no problem. And I have not had any kind of symptoms since then. But uh, the surgeon uh, made a lot of mistakes during the surgery, caused a lot of problems. And it took me um, many, several times in and out of the hospital and day surgeries. It was really no fun whatsoever. And it really did take about a, a full year to physically uh, be back to myself. And now I found it really did take a whole nother year to be emotionally able to just let the entire experience go, which feels so good <laughs> to not have uh, just this uh, being just so upset, even when I would think about it. Um, but it took me a long time to get back to my yoga practice. I realized that I had also really let go of spinning yarn. I love sitting at my spinning wheel and making yarn. It is just as, um, meditative as I find yoga and just sitting in meditation. 
Um, I do have a morning meditation practice and it's short, uh, but it's a wonderful way for me to start the day with just a calm, clear mind. And I feel that all of these practices, needing to get them back fully into my life is just wonderful little stopping points during the day. So when I talk about uh, creating habits, the way that I'm getting back into these are 15 minutes a day. Now today I went to a yoga class, so obviously it's longer than 15 minutes, but I'm finding that if I go to a class once a week, it's already within my system and I'm craving it. And so just saying, okay, I'm going to do yoga for 15 minutes. I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now, pull out the mat, and I'm going to, I'm going to do some yoga. And some days I will go much longer than 15 minutes. And other days I'm just like, I don't feel like I have time for this. But in my head, it's like, nope, 15 minutes. And I'm the same with the spinning. And that was how I started uh, my spinning practice originally many years ago, was just to sit at my spinning wheel for 15 minutes and originally was 10 minutes. Um, just having a short amount of time over a long period of time creates that habit. And then you just start sitting down and you can go right into a project. And it's the same with writing. Uh, that was how I began a daily writing practice. I worked with writing coach Cynthia Morris, who has original impulse. And I'm going to write that down because I definitely want you to know about Cynthia's webpage. She's one of the most creative people. And, um, okay, it's written down. <laughs> I will link to it for you. Uh, Cynthia is just this wonderful person. And a couple times a year, she leads an online workshop called Free Writing. She doesn't call it that anymore, and I'll link to the correct name. But free writing is a term that was coined many years ago um, by Natalie Goldberg. And the idea of it is that you are not journaling and you're not writing on a project. What you're doing is to uh, just allow your mind to relax and you might start with a daily prompt, which is what Cynthia provides, is every day for a month, she'll provide a photo, um, what she calls a ritual, like one of her rituals, R-W-R-I-T-U-A-L, um, is writing nourishes you. So just little phrases like that. And then she'll give you the writing prompt of the day. And you can use any of those to jumpstart your practice. But once you get that pin on paper, you don't ever pick your pin up. You don't need to worry about spelling. You don't need to worry about punctuation. You just keep writing. And it's wonderful if you can use a timer. It was something that Cynthia had suggested, and sometimes I will do that, is that I will just turn on my timer, and I'll just start writing, and 15 minutes later, I might turn off the timer and keep right on going. I've gotten so involved in something I'm writing, it can, I'll write for a half hour or an hour on just this subject that I may never go back to again, but it's just this wonderful exercise to dive into your, almost sometimes I feel like I'm diving into my subconscious and all of a sudden I've written a poem or I've started a short story, you know, some fiction, 
or I'm writing to the prompt and how, you know, that prompt, you know, relates to me. Um, I have found that I've actually gone back and created some classes based on what I've written just in this free writing exercise. So that is one way that starting a 15 minute practice can uh, evolve into a, a long-term habit. These are good habits, <laughs> as you can see. Uh, so what would you start this week as a habit? The summer solstice is coming on Friday. Uh, today is Tuesday. So Friday the 21st, 2019 is the summer solstice, also known as Litha. What a wonderful moment to begin a new habit as we enter the summer season. I love to note these points of the year. Um, I do so, uh, when I say points of the year, I should explain that a little, a little bit better. Um, there is the wheel of the year. <laughs> and that wheel of the year is basically our four seasons of the year. And each are marked within the pagan religion as eight points, eight Sabbaths or spots of celebration during the year. And the summer solstice is one of those major celebrations. Um, these are moments in the year that really match an agrarian or old farmers kind of a calendar year, not the current George. Wow. I can't even say it. Georgian calendar. <laughs> um, Gregorian calendar. Um, this summer solstice was actually considered midsummer celebration. Beltane or May 1st, May Day was considered the beginning of summer because when you think about it, that was when you would really see plants, uh, all the work of, that you need to get planting happened at the beginning of May. And you'd see the greens were starting to be eaten, like that was the beginning of summer. But within the modern world, summer now begins at the summer solstice. So um, this is celebrated as, of course, the longest day of the year, just as opposing the winter solstice, Yule, was celebrated as that shortest day of the year. The seasons flowing from solstice clear around uh, to the uh, back again to the winter, so from winter solstice around to the winter solstice, it is this fallow time in the winter, this rest time. And then beginning as the year turns, it's the ground life awakening in the earth. And it just keeps growing, growing, growing until the summer solstice where the light is full high in the sky. And we're at the peak of the year. It's like the a moon cycle where the full moon height of the season. And now as of the 22nd, we begin waning again and a little bit darker every day of the year. And we start to celebrate the harvest festivals in August, in September. Samhain or Halloween is that last harvest festival before we go back into the darkness and the fallow and the quiet time of winter to revive, rest, recover. And then it all starts again. It's just an ever turning wheel of the year. So 
when we get to each of these points, and right now, the summer solstice approaches. It's this wonderful festival to celebrate the sun and everything that grows because of the warmth that's brought on by that sun god. <laughs> so what might you um, celebrate with a new wonderful habit to start that you might be able to do throughout the summer? For me, it's going to be continuing this yoga and yarn spinning, uh, creativity, bringing exercise, and uh, continuing on my good habits of meditation and writing. I am so happy to be back with you with this podcast, and I will see you next week. Well, probably won't see you, but I'll definitely be talking to you again next week from here in the chicken coop on my little bit of Mount Hood.